Deuteronomy chapter 11, if you don't have a Bible with you, the words of the scripture will be on the overhead and you can follow along with a sermon that I have entitled, To Know, Love, and Serve. Know, Love, and Serve. Today is a day, as you can already tell, is a day that we have set aside for honoring accomplishments These graduates, they represent a great deal of hard work and prayers on behalf of of mom and dad. So let's give them another hand of of applause for a lifetime of of hard work. I would also imagine over the past few days, if not weeks, you have probably heard some speeches on how to succeed in life or how to reach for your dreams. And although those speeches have their proper place in the public square, has its proper place in the educational system of the world, the message that you might hear today might be vastly different than what you might be used to. Now, I must admit to you, as far as giving a speech at at a convocation or something of that sort, I'm no Denzel Washington, I'm no Ronald Reagan, all right, so I'm not eloquent of speech in that regard. I don't have a great speech tucked away in my pocket to drop like a bomb to where like you're going to go out of here and say, wow, wasn't that a great speech that he gave? No, I I simply come with words of encouragement really from the only place, the only source that I know that is of absolute truth and that being God's word. We can stand on God's word when the words of men might be wavering or as the quicksand around us, but God's word is absolute. And so I bring for you today truth from God's word. Think about it for a minute, this word truth. The word truth is tossed around in the world that we live in today. In fact, most of your studies are contingent on you finding or searching for truth or certainty. The word truth is tossed around to the point that the predominant modus operandi of the world is everyone has their own truth. And by the way, this is a term that we would say in the world today in theology and theologians would say that this is a term that we would call a relevant truth or that truth is relevant to the individual. But if that is the case, then truth does not exist at all. And if it does exist within the parameters of everyone has their own truth, then it is so watered down that people have no idea who or what holds holds absolute truth. So this is a message to our graduates here today, but it is just as much a message to the body of Christ as it is to them as well. So probably on graduation Sunday, you would hear somebody preach from Jeremiah. I know the plans that you have. Uh, You have prospered and prepared. So uh, you probably aren't necessarily expecting Deuteronomy chapter 11. You might be expecting something to be expounded upon from the book of of Proverbs or from maybe the book of Psalms or or something of of that nature. But God's word is God's word no matter where we navigate, navigate in it. And it is relevant to all of us here today. 
And so if you'll allow me over the next few moments, I'm going to speak some truth from God's word, the only absolute truth uh, that I know. Speaking of truth, I want to be upfront and to be honest from the get-go. Now, you would expect an expositor or a preacher to stand in the pulpit every Sunday morning and be honest and speak truth and not water down God's word, but expound on the things that you need to hear, that we all need to grow in our walk in our faith with Jesus. Now, I will say this. There might be some in here that have been far away from fellowship with the Lord Jesus for a long time. Now, you notice I didn't say there might be some in here who haven't been to church in a while. You did not hear me say that because there are people in here today who might attend every single Sunday morning and they are far from fellowship with Jesus. They might just be coming to check that list off. They say, yeah, I've spent time in church, check. So one might be here today, no matter who you are, only the Lord knows and only you know who might be far from fellowship with the Lord Jesus. And I will say to you today, listen. Listen to what the Word of God has to say. Today is the day to draw close and to serve Jesus and to serve Him as if He's returning tomorrow. Serve Jesus as if any day He's returning and there might be some lost friends and family who will crash into eternity without ever knowing the person of Jesus. 2 Peter 3 and 17 says, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with error of lawless people and lose your stability. My desire for you today, this day, is to know where you stand with Jesus. Would He be pleased with your devotion are you dedicated to him to the degree that if you were to go into the public square or to the world that people would know that you are following Jesus, would he be pleased with your devotion to him or is there some work to do? And if we are all honest, by a show of hands, every one of us in here, from the pulpit to the pew to the person in the world, would raise their hand and say, yeah, there's always, always some work to do. Are we as dedicated to the Lord's work as we are with everything else in our life? And so today I want to expound on some truth from God's Word. And I hope these words will be an encouragement for you, but they will also be a challenge. Uh, this biblical word is admonition, that there will be a challenge for you, that you will be challenged. Uh, listen, listen, guys, I don't want to fluff your ego. You guys have done good on hard work, and for that, congratulations. I, I don't want to stand here and fluff your ego. I want to give you some words that, that will be with you for a lifetime. Now, chances are, whoever speaks at your convocation or your graduation service, whatever it might be, you might not even remember the words that they speak. So I'm not here today to fluff your ego, but to give you words that will help you to grow in your pursuit of Jesus. Not only for our graduates, but for all here today. So if you will, let's stand for the reading of this portion of Scripture from Deuteronomy chapter 11. I'm going to be reading from verses 13 to 16. These are key verses today in a sermon that I have entitled, To Know, Love, and Serve. Because by the way, you can know, love, and serve anything in the world and make it an idol, but specifically to know, love, and serve who? The Lord Jesus Christ. 
So verse 13 says, And if you will indeed obey my commands that I commanded you today, to love the Lord your God and to serve Him with all of your heart and with all of your soul, He will give the rain for your land in its season, and the early rain and the, later, and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain and your wine and your oil. And He will give you grass in your fields for your livestock, and you shall eat and be full. Take care. Listen to verse 16. Take care, lest your heart be deceived, and turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Lord, we ask for your blessing upon the reading of this word. Father, as your man in this hour, the expositor, Lord, today, the preacher, the pastor in the pulpit, Father, that you would protect my, um, my words, God, and they will only be words that would be edifying to your church and your people. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, for those who have been part of our Awana Club for some time, you uh, should recognize the sermon title. And the closing Awana prayer is that, that all children and youth around the world would come to know, love, and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if you've been part of Awana for any, any measure of time, you hopefully, you hopefully know that, that Awana prayer. And if you allow me a few minutes, I would like to encourage, admonish, if, you, if need be, to know, love, and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. To know, love, and serve Him. We are almost at a place in the book of Deuteronomy, for those who may not have been on this journey with us, we're at a place in the book of Deuteronomy where the specific laws are about to be named. Some commandments are about to be renamed again or reiterated. And we certainly will look to the New Covenant, the New Testament, to find our bearing uh, on, the, on the Christ follower today. What does this have to do with the Christian the, the, the follower of Jesus today. But where we stand in the book of, of, of Deuteronomy chapter 11 is a place of remembrance and a, and a place of, of challenge. And here's, here's, the, here's where it becomes relevant to all of us. There's a new generation. There's a new generation that is about to go into the promised land. And Moses is reminding this new generation, these young theologues, if you will, of the word, these, these young people who are absorbing the history and the word of God, they are learning as they are traveling. And he is encouraging this new generation of people to, uh, to remember the blessing and provision of God. Remember how God has provided when you, for you when there might have been no other way. He warns them time and again. And at the same time, in this warning, he is giving this, them this admonition this warning to not make the stupid mistakes that their forefathers made. If there's one thing I can say to, to my boys as they pursue life, it would be like, look, don't do the stupid things that I did. Don't disobey God. Follow Him close and clean. Obey His word. Draw close to Him. At the beginning of, of Chapter 11, he says, You shall love the Lord your God and keep his commandments always. Simply put, if you want to succeed in life, walk in the will of God. Now, you might say, Hey, that doesn't sound like the God of the Bible. This is simply not a financial formula, meaning if you obey God, he's going to bless you financially. 
It, it is as, as simple as this. Growing in your faith and following the commandments of the Lord. It's not about financial gain. It's not about a wall of accomplishments. Although there's a lot of hard work that goes into them and for that we commend, commend you guys. And I think of this often. I've got some master's degrees on my wall and when I get to heaven, Jesus isn't going to say, well done, thy 4.0 GPA. He isn't going to say, wow, you've pursued your PhD. You didn't quite make it. But at least you're after it. It is simply growing in your faith and following the commands of the Lord. There are some things to consider. We consider this, to think about the discipline of our God, think about His greatness, think about His outstretched arm, Think about where he brought you from. It might be Egypt for them. For you, it might be, hey, he brought you through high school. He brought you through, he brought you through college. It was a struggle, wasn't it? It was a struggle. But you made it, right? How God has protected you and brought you through it. It might not be the Red Sea episode. It might not be marching through the Red Sea. But it was a challenge and God certainly had his hand on you. It might not have been the horses and the carriages following them and the water of the Red Sea flowing over you in this regard, but it was certainly difficult. Verse 7, he says, Your eyes have seen all the great works of the Lord and all that he did. If you want some encouragement, talk to some of the saints of the Lord in here today who have gone through a lot of adversity and seen how God has blessed tremendously. He says, you shall therefore keep the whole commandments that I command you today. Verse 9 tells us that you might live long in the land. Again, if you want to prosper spiritually, follow the Lord close and clean. Then it goes on to talk about the possession in the land of Egypt that they are about to go in and receive. God has promised that to them. The end of verse 12 there says... The eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. I want you to know, as you probably already have figured this out in your, your journey, is we store a lot of knowledge over the course of our lives. As you have studied or that you are, might be studying or continuing your study, what you'll find along with this, this accumulation of knowledge is the pursuit of certainty. The pursuit of certainty. And there are a few things in this world that are absolutely certain. One of the things that is certain is that one day you will pass from this life into the next. Another thing that is certain if you read your Bible is that you can know whether or not you are in Jesus Christ or not. So part of this paradigm, if you will, this no love and service to know that you know Christ. And we can make that proclamation today. We can make that assurance today. Yes, I know Jesus. I'm saved. I'm a child of Christ. Now what do I do? Well, from there on, you love him and you serve him. Concerning certainty and the things in this life that we might say, well, there are some things that you can know with absolute certainty. One might say, well, you know what? My bank account is certain. My bank account is certain, but in a matter of minutes, that can disappear due to some catastrophic event in your life 
or the life of this world around us. You might say, well, you know what? I'm healthy now. I'm guaranteed. I'm, no, my heart will always function right. We know our, our health is not guaranteed to be perfect. We might be here today and gone tomorrow. James describes our life as like a vapor. Poof. Here today and gone tomorrow. We could, we could pass on before we even walk out this, these doors. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. We might say something as frivolous as this, that I know for certain that if I put my keys in my car, it's going to crank. Well, what happens if you have an old beater, a beater car? It doesn't work so well then, does it? It's easy to have such judgment if your car is, is newer, or even, if, or even then one might simply have no warrant for certainty at all but God. I like that phrase, but God. Why do I say but God in that phrase? Because we can say it in this way and with this conviction. But God wants you to know His will with certainty. You don't have to spend your lifetime trying to figure out the will of God for your life. You know how you find God's will for your life? It's in His Word. It's in His Word. Now, the Gospel Evangelist Luke wrote of um, the certainty... Uh, Luke was the investigative reporter, if you will, of the events of the life of Jesus. Luke chapter 1 verse 1 says, It seemed good to me, having followed all things. So Luke was a researcher. He went door to door. It was like, it was like Luke was working on his, what today would be considered to be a doctoral thesis in the life of Jesus. And he would go door to door and investigate these firsthand accounts. And he said, Having followed all things closely for some time to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. This, of course, orderly account would be known as the Gospel of Luke. Then he says this, that you might have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught, concerning the life of Jesus, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Now, the truth of the Gospel is absolute, and we can have certainty that we know Jesus. So let's look at... From verse 13, there's a couple of things I would like to encourage you on today amongst others. Number one, we must be dedicated to love and serve Jesus for the rest of our lives. It's not just the preacher's job. It's not just the pastor's job. It's not just the deacon's job to be dedicated to love and service to Jesus. It is the church's duty, if you will. There is no way around use the uses of that terminology other to say that we will be dedicated. We will serve Jesus the rest of our life because people don't like to throw around the word must or ought or you should. But those are important for spiritual growth. We ought to do this. We ought to grow in our faith. We ought to read scripture. We ought to fellowship together. See, here's the thing I was thinking about with this usage of oughtness. You ought to do this or you must do this. Why is it that we can allow every other entity in the world to tell us what we must do to advance in life, but when it comes to the things of God, we stiff arm Him? Why is that the case? Could it be that we do not appreciate? Now, speaking of glimpses of my life, could it be that I do not appreciate the grace this deep grace that has been lavished upon me? 
He says, if you will indeed obey my commands that I commanded you today to love the Lord your God, to serve him with all of your heart. I want to serve him that way. I fail, but I want to serve him that way. That he will give the rain to your land in its season, the early rain and the later rain, that you may gather your grain, your wine, your oil, your grass will grow, your livestock will be fed, and you shall eat and you will be full. Now, a prosperity preacher will tell you that if you believe in Jesus, he'll fill your bank account. They'll tell you if you believe in Jesus, you'll have a BMW. Don't have to work hard. All you got to do is name it, claim it. Put your hands on it, and it's yours. And some might interpret these verses as strictly conditional, and in a way, they are conditional. But what is the condition? Listen, I got to tell you, one of the lies that you will often hear is this. If you are a follower of Jesus, your life will be smooth selling. That is a lie from the pits of hell. It's sort of like if you love and you serve God, you will have an abundance of everything. Your crops will grow. You'll be blessed with material things. That is not what Moses is is saying that's not what the Lord is saying. Yeah, they'll have these things, but they have everything in their life and they look for the provision of God. They can walk outside, they used to, they would walk outside and see manna fall from heaven. God provided. While it is true, as the song says, praise God from whom all blessings flow, and it is true, the true blessing from loving and serving Jesus is that we grow in our faith it is not physical blessings. If, the God, if God wants to bless me with, with a good income, man, praise the Lord. If God wants to bless me with a good job, a good education, praise God for that. But our true growth comes from pursuing Him, pursuing our faith. See, serving Jesus, is it, is it quid Pro quo. It's not you do for me, I'll do for you. It's not tit for tat. We don't follow Jesus to get something in return. We, we follow him and we love Jesus because he first loved us. The life of a Christ follower who is dedicated to the Lord Jesus is one that does, does, does not look for rewards, but, but looks to serve Jesus selflessly. Because when you get to the foot of Jesus, you're going to get any reward back to him anyway. The commands that Moses is, is referring to is the commands of the civil and ceremonial laws that we read this last week, that the Holy Spirit writes the laws of God on our heart. When we become a believer, when we are reborn, the commands of this oughtness is written on our heart and our mind. The Holy Spirit does that work, and we continue to grow in them. The core truth is this. If you pursue the Lord with all that you have, He will bless you. It might not be with financial success, it might not be with an overabundant uh, bank account or any of that, but you'll grow in Him. And this might not be in the form of having a new car, new money in the bank, but you will grow in faith. And nothing, nothing can compare to having joy unspeakable and full of glory. Nothing can compare to having joy in Jesus. You could be a rich man, a rich woman, and be so miserable. You can have all the accolades in the world and still be miserable. Another word that lends itself to the discussion is that of dedication or commitment. That we must be dedicated to love and serve Jesus for the rest of our lives. D.L. Moody, who was a contemporary of Charles Spurgeon, you no doubt have heard the name Charles 
Haddon Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers. D.L. Moody was a contemporary of Spurgeon. He was a well-known evangelist. And I read an article last week. I thought I would share it with you. The article said this. Uh, when D.L. Moody was visiting England, he went to hear uh, Henry Varley, who was another evangelist. And here's what, here's what Varley said. He said, The world has yet to see what God will do with a man who is fully and wholly consecrated to the Holy Spirit. Now, he's using this term man generically, human beings. So let's rephrase it. The world has yet to see what God will do with a human being who is fully and wholly consecrated to the Holy Spirit. Moody would go on to later comment, he said, uh, a man, he did not say a great man or a learned man or a rich man, but simply a man or a person that lies within that person or, or themselves, whether he will or will not make the entire full of consecration. He goes on to say, I will try my utmost to be that man. I will try my utmost to be that person. And so, if we make much of Jesus, if we make much of Jesus, he will grow us in our faith. Secondly, be not deceived by this world. That's in verse 16. Now, I must say, and you probably have already seen this, there is a system in this world. Read the book of 1 John. It speaks of the way of this world is the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. There is a system in the world that exists today that is an attempted attempt to lay low any theistic or Christian beliefs. There is a system that is designed with an attempt to ruin us as Christ followers. There is a system that is, that is designed to distract you from your faith in Jesus. Listen to the warning from Moses to the Israelites. Take care lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve the gods and worship them. And so in today's culture, at least in our context, this would turn our attention to that of, an, of idol worship and, and many idols that potentially litter our lives. Any, and by the way, anything can become a lot, uh, an idol. I, I made this example one time before. I can make anything an idol. Hey, I can, be a, I can be a fossil watch aficionado. I mean, I, I, can, I can make anything an idol in, in my life. And what would we describe as an idol? Something that we place before Jesus. Anything in our life that we place before the Lord Jesus Christ. So anything in our life has a potential of being an idol. Anything in this life has the danger of being an idol for you or a distraction. Listen, I, I'm a graduate of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. I went there for my undergrad and my graduate work. And I'll never forget the first time that I sat in the... Um, when all the students came in, it was, an, it was an orientation. And I'll never forget the president of Southeastern Seminary, Danny Aiken, who's still the current president now. He spoke at this pulpit in uh, October... Danny Aiken was addressing the upcoming class in, in the college at Southeastern. Danny Aiken said this, these wise words, and I'll never forget this. He said, for some of you today, getting an A would be a sin. There might be someone in here today who might, what does he mean by that? Getting an A? How could that be a sin? But you have to remember, in Southeastern, there were men who were coming into that seminary who had families. And 
If they pursue an A with all of they have, getting an A from them for them would mean that they neglected their family and their other responsibilities. But then he goes on. He said, and for some of you, failing or low grades would be sinful. Why? Because you didn't do it for the glory of God. Because you didn't do it as a steward of what God has given to you. So as I said, anything can become a hindrance to your walk with Jesus if you let it. Now consider this warning. Let us not be deceived. Let us not be deceived in our idea about who God is. God is not some cosmic genie waiting for our beck and call so that he might sprinkle blessings upon us. He is not like a genie in a bottle. Be not not deceived about who God is and what his will might be for our life unless these ideas are grounded in truth. Let us not be deceived into thinking that God is sometimes good and sometimes bad. What would we say to that? God is good. All the time God is good. Let us not think that God cannot forgive the most potent and vile of sinners. He forgave me. When one represents as God calls them to himself and they repent, they repent of their sin, that person is forgiven in Jesus' name. Moses gives this warning. Take care, at least your heart be deceived. Now, the language that is used is that the heart can be seduced. It can be turned towards what is not pleasing to God. It means to be easily persuaded or moved towards evil. And I want to be pleasing to God. I hope you want to be pleasing to God and live for for Jesus. So let's wrap up the rest of this chapter and then we'll conclude. From verse 17 all the way to verse 32, there is this encouraging to be careful to keep the commandments of God. Remember where God has brought them from. We see that in verse 22. We carry on. We see that there is a a fear of the Lord, a a worshipful fear of God. They are the commandments of God. He says, obey the commandments of the Lord. Turn aside from the way of the idol. Pursue him with all that you have. Pursue him with your whole heart, mind, soul, body, all that you have. And the Bible tells us at the very end of that chapter, verse 32, that you shall be careful to do all the statutes and the rules I am setting before you today. And by the way, that will translate over into the New Testament under the gospel accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the letters that were written by the the apostles to the church and the letters to the churches in Asia Minor and the book of the Revelation. All the way through the canon of God's word. And so we understand, as we read today on Mount Sinai, love and serve, no love and serve, that there really is not a disconnect between Israel, we read, and you and I here today. There isn't a disconnect. This eternal truth is this. Pursue the Lord as He has pursued you. Now, trust in Him to direct all of your plans. I will say this to the graduates here today and to the whole of the congregation, that you can know the Lord Jesus today and you can have confidence that you are His and He is yours and that you have been born again. You have been saved by the precious blood of Jesus that in your heart you know that Jesus died on the cross, a sinner's death. He died in our place. And that as He was put in the grave, 
He walked out of the tomb alive in this real historic bodily resurrection. He is alive. And as we believe that, he died for our sins. He took our sins upon himself. The Bible tells us if you confess that, you will, you will be saved. And you can know that. You can have that confidence today. And then to love the Lord with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your body. And if Jesus died on the cross as, as his ultimate uh, example of humility and servitude to be sure that we could follow and love him and serve him. So I would say to not only our graduates who are going into the working world or maybe transitioning into college and really to, to everyone under the sound of my voice here today, use your vocation. Use your vocation where God has planted you. You don't have to be a pastor uh, if, if that's be what God calls you, amen for that. But if you are going to be a teacher, do it for the glory of God. If you're going to be an accountant, do it for the glory of God. If you're, going to, if you're going to work in oncology, do it for the glory of God. If you're, going to be, if you're going to be welding, do it for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Use your vocation to help build the kingdom. Use your education. Use your situations in life. Wherever God has planted you for the glory of God. Now, and the principles and the truths that Moses laid out before the people are truths that are universal. That are universally found in God's Word, and they are absolute. I'm going to share this in closing, okay? We will look a lifetime of how to succeed in life. You guys have done a lot of hard work, a lot of studying, a lot of preparation, a lot of really just, just hard work. But you know the secret for any child of Christ to succeed in life. You know that? You know, you know what that formula is? not necessarily a formula. It's, it's found in God's Word. The success you find in life, I believe, comes from humility and drawing close to God. You'll find in James chapter 4, verse uh, 8 through 10. James' admonition is this. So I will close on this as my words of encouragement, the charge to our graduates from high school and also college. Hear these words. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Now what does that mean? Verse 10, here's my admonition. Here's my challenge. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you. Humble yourselves before Him, and He will exalt you. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful.